Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, everybody. This is possibly my favorite Sunday on the church calendar. It really is. And it's so special to have you guys with us. I didn't even realize I was up because I was just so enjoying talking with some of my new friends here. Tell you what, we normally stand for the gospel reading. And I'm, I don't want you to feel like we're doing calisthenics here or something. But even though this is not the gospel reading, I'd love it if you'd stand anyway. Just because even though our reading tonight is from Acts chapter 2, um, I still think it's a reading worth standing for because Cost Sunday is such a, it's, it's just such a special one. Um, I don't want to start preaching before we go to the text, but allow me just to say this much, that the Holy Spirit, that as we read throughout the Old Testament, different times, different places, kind of at random, will select prophets, will select these figures from the margins who will speak, who will proclaim God's truth. Um, but it happens kind of in pockets. What Pentecost Sunday is about is now that spirit, that same spirit which hovered over the chaos in Genesis 1, bringing something out of nothing, that same spirit which raised Jesus of Nazareth from the dead, that spirit is now being poured out on all flesh, to all people, in all places. That's what this day is about. So Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, is where we're going to go. And it begins this way. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. Note that the first evidence that the Holy Spirit has showed up is not that people are edified, encouraged, blessed. The first thing that happens is people are bewildered. <laughs> the bewilderment comes before anybody feels blessed or edified or whatever. We, we don't talk nearly enough about bewilderment as a legitimate evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work. Because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they ask, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed. I love that phrasing, amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. 
But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, saying, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose. I'm fighting so hard not to slip into my Pentecostal King James right now because I quote this from memory. These men are not drunk as ye suppose, seeing it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that, rather. We can go on the next slide. I threw you off because I started quoting from the version that was good enough for Paul and Silas. That is a joke. It's 40 years old. This is what was spoken to the prophet Joel, that in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show forth portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, standing just for one more moment as we pray. Spirit of truth, spirit of life, spirit of Pentecost. Spirit of love, spirit of revelation. We welcome you. We welcome you as the spirit that holds all things together. We welcome you as the spirit that every person is intimately acquainted with, even if we don't know how to name it or recall it different things. We welcome that presence that is so intimate and so close that it's literally identified with breath, the breath of God that keeps us alive even now, sustaining us with love, reminding us that you are with us. As Cece's already led us so wonderfully tonight, we do want to wait for you. We do need to be filled and refilled with you. And I pray that just in these moments we have left even tonight for the Surprise of your spirit in whatever way that we need that most. Some will be amazed, some will be bewildered and perplexed. <laughs> but I pray that we will just have that kind of encounter with your spirit where we will know this is not a day like any other day. This is the day in which the spirit of the living God has been made available to all people. And we want to say yes to that spirit, yes to that presence. And we want to say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you for being with me. I don't really have a catchy, hooky Pentecost sermon. I feel like it's more a simple announcement. It's more a pronouncement. I wish I knew of a fresher way to say it, but I hope you'll hear it like for the first time. The Holy Spirit. And if it's unclear, 
who or what the Holy Spirit is, I'll give you my best shot. The Holy Spirit is the bond of love that exists between father and son. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God that we are breathing in and out right now. The Holy Spirit is literally identified with our breath. The Holy Spirit is at work times in all places in all created things there's nothing that comes to being apart from the holy spirit the holy spirit is the energy of god that sustains all things in perfect love the holy spirit is not only the bond of love between the father and the son but the holy spirit is the bond of love that exists between us the holy spirit is what draws us together the holy spirit is what makes those of us who have not been a people into a people that's all the Holy Spirit. And what this day means is that the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh without discrimination. There's literally nobody who's left out. There's nobody who's unqualified. 120 people gathered in an upper room waiting. And the promise that Jesus had offered is fulfilled. The Spirit is poured out. And now... Not only sons, but daughters are prophesying and preaching. God knows that's a lot of what's wrong with the world right now is we don't have enough prophesying daughters, and we need them. We don't have them enough because, we, to be clear, we've suppressed them. We need our prophesying daughters. There's no such thing as slaves anymore because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of liberation. And now the slaves are singing a song of a new song, a song of liberation, the spirit. I can't get over this idea tonight that the spirit that was poured out on a handful of individuals in the Old Testament is now made available for all of us. And anybody and everybody is eligible to be used by that Holy Spirit. I still, after all this time, find it shocking when the Holy Spirit uses me in some way because I still don't feel qualified or worthy. It's still weird to me. A couple nights ago, someone close to me was in a great deal of pain and I had an impulse that because I mean I pray for people I really do I pray, but I rarely feel feel like this like is imperative like I've I have to pray for this person that I care about a lot. And as I prayed, I was kind of shocked when this person who's very dear to me told me a few minutes later that like the moment that you prayed, it was like I felt this warm liquid liquid go through my body, and there was like immediate relief. And I was like, really? Did that actually happen? And then I felt bad for being surprised. But see, I'm not the healing guy. Remember years ago, I was invited to preach in Mexico. And I saw these uh, banners with my picture on them. And because I can't read Spanish, I asked my friend, what do those banners say? And there's this picture. <laughs> it's my picture on the banner. It translated for me. It says, come expecting a miracle at our miracle healing crusade. That was the single most terrifying moment of my entire life. Because like, y'all must y'all have me confused for somebody else. I am not a TBN televangelist. I don't have the right suits. I don't have the right hair. You know, I don't break anybody's, you know, um, crutches or pull anybody out of wheelchairs or any of that stuff. But man, people came expecting a miracle. And I'll never forget what it was like because so many people came wanting prayer. It took more time to pray for people than the service did before that, just to, just to pray for everybody. 
I have no idea to this day, if anything, what exactly was happening in all them. I know I experienced something of the heartbreak of God, I felt like, in a whole new way to see folks coming in all kinds of different conditions. And I feel like each one, intuitively, I would touch somehow differently because there was this sense of, like, man, I'm expected to touch people on Jesus' behalf. And I felt that very deeply. And I always had this sense that whether or not anybody got miraculously healed, how would I know? I knew that it did really did something for me. But I'm saying all that to say, you know, like, I don't think of myself as like a healing guy. I don't think of myself as that person. But that's what's so powerful about how the Holy Spirit works. Is that at any given time, in any given moment, the Holy Spirit can work through any of us to be an agent of God's healing. And I'm still enough of a product of my tradition to deeply believe this. At any given place and time, I absolutely believe that God still speaks and that God can give us words, that God can give us things that are meant to be shared for others that bring some kind of insight. There's my general parameters around that, even pastorally. I believe that any gifts of the Spirit are always gifts of love, that are a gift for the sake of love and edification. And the, so I'm not saying this can never happen, but as a general rule, when I really want to straighten somebody out, that's not the Holy Spirit. I assume when I want to straighten somebody out, that's not the voice of God, I'm pretty sure. But if there's something that seems to come from outside of me where I feel inclined to say something to someone that's loving and edifying, my friend Sarah Bessie, I'll see her in a few days because we're speaking at an event called Water to Wine. Several weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and I felt like I had what we would say where I came a word for her. And I thought, I've got to write an email to Sarah Bessie with this word. And I thought, I can't do that because I'm not the kind of person that writes an email with the word. That is not who I am. But it bothered me so much for 24 hours, I finally felt like it wouldn't leave me alone. You know, I finally sent that, you know, and I don't... And, and, and we're friends. I mean, she's going to be nice. But it just, my, I knew it was edifying. I knew it wasn't going to tear down. I knew it wasn't like, you know, I don't play around with, you know, the Holy, I think the Holy Spirit's saying you should quit your job and move to another country. That's, I don't think that's normally how that works. But I really do believe that God speaks through us, that God can speak through any one of us in any kind of place. And all it takes is yieldedness, a saying yes. I love that as Cece ministered so powerfully during the worship tonight, and even Malika, you referenced the sense of rest that's here. You know, I really love that because kind of where I'm from, um, there was a sense often that the Holy Spirit doesn't really work unless things get sufficiently hyped up. And which is not necessarily, by the way, even all bad, because I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't work in hype, but that's kind of where we had it. You know, the Holy Spirit's really at work once the service gets up to like 11 or 12 and then, you know, if, you're, if you shout loud enough, then the Holy Spirit will come. Well, of course, that's not how I, how I think it works now. There's room for all of that. There is freedom, but it doesn't have to be that way. The Holy Spirit comes whenever you're, we're, we're yielded and we're open. So whatever gets us to that place where we say yes, that's, that's when the Holy Spirit moves. Sometimes I've found, I think when the Holy Spirit has worked the most powerfully in my life has been, when I've been, I hope you hear this the right way, because I don't think God is trying to beat me down. But when life has kind of beat me down enough to where I just say, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, because I remember that 
when I was a kid growing up in Pentecostal churches, where we came down to the altar to receive the Holy Spirit, that version of me was always like, my teeth were clenched and my hands were balled up in a fist. And the whole attitude was, if I have to stay here all night to get the Holy Ghost, I'll stay here all night. Shockingly, that did not turn out great. And the weirdest thing would happen, you know, like is then, then I'd be in the shower not thinking about anything remotely spiritual. And all of a sudden there's this sense of the presence of Jesus here. And the Lord would give me something to pray. Where did that come from? And that's always been how it has worked in my life, at least. The very moments when I'm not trying too hard, when I'm just open and available, the Holy Spirit shows up and works when you're not trying. When, but I think it's because, you know, whenever you're open and you're yielded, there's, you just, there's a way of saying yes that comes. And that's really, I think, the invitation for us this Pentecost Sunday is saying yes to that spirit saying yes to that spirit that is at work within us and yet is somehow other than us. Because I will tell you that, even to this moment, I'm always still a little bit afraid when I feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit to say something I wouldn't otherwise say. I felt that about writing that email. I still felt that about praying for a person. Who am I to pray for somebody? That's, you know, that's not just you. I think everybody deals with that on some level. And yet... The more and more I'm, I try to be obedient to those things. Because, see, here's what I've learned. The gifts of the Holy Spirit don't, it doesn't have anything to do with piety. That actually has been one of the great lessons of my whole life, is I thought the Holy Spirit is given to extra holy people. Good news, my friends. That is simply not how it works. You don't have to be extra holy to be used by the Holy Spirit. Who is holy enough exactly to be a vessel of the Holy Spirit? How sanctified do you have to be? Here's the fact. The gifts of God don't say anything good about anybody except the giver. And the gifts of God are made available to all people. Really is true. Think about what Jesus says. If you who are evil, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Does your heavenly father love to give good gifts to those who ask him? I'm still convinced a lot of times in my life, I think this is probably true for some of yours as well. There's some areas where I think the Holy Spirit probably wants to work, where there maybe is not a room because I'm still not asking. And there's something about the asking. I think God loves it when we ask. James actually says that. You have not because you ask not. And I don't even worry that there's something, just something about the asking. I don't worry anymore when I do ask about whether or not I've got the magic level of faith. You know, because that was something else I think I got wrong a lot of my life. I used to think that, you know, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right here. If you believe something hard enough, then God will do it. If it doesn't happen, it means you haven't believed hard enough. What a terrible way to live your life. So what is it? What, what is that threshold, by the way? If you get your belief to like up to 83%, then God has to move. God has to heal. But if it's 82%, oh, you sorry, just not there. I don't know how any of that works. When my friend Rachel died recently, you better believe that me and a whole lot of other people prayed for her. I have no idea how in the economy of God's grace, some people get healed and some people don't. I don't know how it is. 
that sometimes it seems like you can beg and plead God to do something miraculous and nothing happens. And then it seems like the Holy Spirit can show up in the most demonstrative way over something like that's completely small. I, 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 I actually don't know how that works. I really don't. I think some of that, if I didn't believe in eschatological hope, if I didn't believe that this is a long game, I just, you know, I'd be inclined to just give up. But I do believe in a long game, so I don't. And what I, I, I do believe that, that the time will come, the day will come when all will be made right. And in the long, long in between, sometimes, some places, the Holy Spirit interrupts and gives us a foretaste of what's coming. And sometimes healing does happen. And sometimes God does miraculously give people a word. And sometimes God does actually send the check at the last possible moment when you had no idea how you're going to pay that bill. Do you, do you really think stuff like, I absolutely believe stuff like that happens. And people who aren't Christians believe stuff like that happens, who are half awake to the reality of the Holy Spirit, which is part of what's beautiful about the Holy Spirit, is once again, even if you don't use the right language to name any of that, <laughs> does it disqualify the Holy Spirit from working? That's part of what I've always really appreciated most about the Holy Spirit. There's a certain anarchy to the Holy Spirit. You don't get to control the Holy Spirit. We can impose any sort of hierarchy that we want to. We can have all the, we, we, can, we can say only such and such can pray for such people at such a time and such a place. And we can have so many labels and caveats and we, we, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> we can have all the categories. We have all the fun with that that we want. At the end of the day, the Holy Spirit will do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Holy Spirit will talk through anybody the Holy Spirit wants to talk through. Does it need my permission? Does it need your permission? Does it need a denominational official? Does it need a board consensus? Does it, does it need any kind of a vote? The Holy Spirit will do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. <laughs> we don't get any kind of say in it whatsoever. I think that's so wonderful. And that's really always how it works. But uh, I think something that's beautiful about a time like Pentecost Sundays, we get to celebrate that. We get to kind of recalibrate to that. We get to reorient ourselves to that reality that we are in a world. We, are, we do live in a world in which the Holy Spirit still works, in which miracles do still happen, where God still breaks in. So, yes, I believe in all the stuff. I really do. I believe in the weird stuff. I believe Jesus actually rose from the dead. I still believe in things like speaking in tongues, even though it's been used in a weird way, as it was in the day of Pentecost, when that can mean speaking in other languages or as a private kind of devotional prayer expression between you and God. I don't like it when people are manipulated into that. I don't like it when people feel coerced into it. That's, you know, for all the things I love about my tradition, that is one thing that I hate the most is that the, the, the deal about tongues became so intense because that, that's the only way we know that you really have the Holy Spirit. Well, I could, I could say a lot about that. You know, um, William Seymour, who I referenced last week, one-eyed son of a slave, Azusa Street Revival, 1906, where something very much like what happened in the upper room happened again. He said the ultimate evidence of being filled with the Spirit was not tongues, but love. That's the ultimate evidence of being full, full of the Holy Spirit 
There's a lot, there's a lot, lot more to go around but than just tongues. Tongues is great, but we just we would put so much pressure on it. To where it could almost just feel it's just sad when something that beautiful could almost feel oppressive. Because I'd felt like I, I felt like I'd had to speak in tongues so I could get my spirit merit badge. And that just felt now I look back and I'm man, that seems sad to me. Be like getting married, and the preacher says, You have to kiss the bride. You must kiss the bride. Like, what? Like, what is that? Like, no, like Kissing, like, it's a good thing. You get to kiss the bride. You don't have to. What is that? But the moment you say you must, you have evidence language. I don't, like, I don't, I don't have a lot of time for all that these days. Here's what I know. I know that when people open themselves up to the real power and presence of the Holy Spirit, and they say yes, and they're yielded, and they're open, good things happen. And I know, once again, it doesn't require people to be extra holy, extra devout, I, I'm all for a prayer. I, I I'm not going to say I pray more than I ever have in my life, but I do understand better what Paul meant, I think, when he talked about prayer without ceasing, just that prayer is a way of being in the world with God, that constant sense of connectivity. Like, I really, I aspire, you know, to kind of live in that. But, man, what I've learned, how the Holy Spirit works in my life, it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not I've put in enough quiet time, if I've read the Bible. This is not how the Holy Spirit works. <laughs> the Holy Spirit works where there's a yes. Holy Spirit works where there's availability. Holy Spirit works where there's openness. So it really comes down to a question of, are you open? Do you want God by the Spirit to work in your life in this way? What way? Whatever way. Because <laughs> that is the thing that is a little troubling and challenging about saying yes to the Holy Spirit, is you never know exactly what all you're saying yes to. I don't want to do any false advertising right now. <laughs> Because, again, when I talk about the anarchy of the Spirit, that's true in a very personal way, too. Like, I'm saying it's the Holy Spirit continues to take me places I would not choose to go and to do things I would not otherwise choose to do. I'm just like, man, I do not think this is something I otherwise would just, but I'm pretty sure this is where the Holy Spirit wants me to be. So there are some risks to saying yes. Oh, but it's so, so wonderful, too.